Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I am so excited about today's episode. Obviously, Packers wrapped up their open to the media version of OTAs or organized team activities. This is the third and final OTA that was open to the media, uh, which obviously had the chance to be there and cover. So I'm going to be going over all of my observations today. Next week will be open mini camp. So we'll look forward to that as well. But today I'm going to be going over everything that I saw at OTAs. And this was a very exciting practice that didn't have any one major huge takeaway. It's not like I'm like, well, David Bakhtiari moved to right guard. Let's talk about it. Or, oh my God, you're not going to believe this one play. It was the most insane play ever. Nothing like that. But for a nerd like me that covers the Packers 365 days a year, and for probably most of you who listen to a 365 day a year Packers podcast, well, this is the type of episode that you probably live and breathe for. And there's so many juicy tidbits from this practice that I am super geeked to go over. So let's kick things off right away. I want to start with the players that were and were not there per usual. Absent from practice were Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, and Jonathan Garvin. Nothing new for those three. Those three have not been at any of the open uh, media sessions for OTA so far, so that had been status quo. Uh, back was Keyshawn Nixon, uh, so he returned from Missy, or at least you know wasn't in attendance for the last version uh, of open OTA. So Keyshawn Nixon was back. Tucker Craft returned from injury, as did Jeff Cotton, who we are going to talk about in just a moment. So he returned from injury as well. Injured players that did not practice included Dallin Levitt, uh, Dontavian Wicks, Eric Stokes, Rashawn Gary, Jake Hansen, and Grant Dubose. So again, absent Jair, Douglas, Garvin, injured Levitt, Wicks, Stokes, Gary, Hansen, and Dubose, and returning were Keyshawn Nixon, Tucker Craft, and Jeff Cotton. Let's kick things off though right away with the you know actual practice part of it with Jordan Love, because this is always going to be the main point of discussion, the main topic, what everyone wants to talk about. So let's talk about one of the plays 
of the day first. And that was a beautiful corner route, uh, sort of back shoulder fade-ish. It's been described a couple different ways, but regardless of how you want to describe it, it was a red zone drill. Dobbs goes back corner end zone. Jordan Love throws it. Uh, it was a pretty good coverage on the play by Innes Gaines, actually. And, you know, it was thrown... I don't know if it was purposefully just a little bit like, I don't, honestly, I don't care. It was a good ball. It was an even better catch from Romeo Dobbs. And they just continued to show off their connection in a beautiful touchdown play in the back corner of the end zone. And the, you know, so often we talk about in practices, how a lot of times as a fan or as a coach, there's like no winners on the play, because if the offense does something great, it means the defense did something wrong. And if the defense did something great, it means the offense did something wrong. And when you want all of these players to do well, that's a very hard thing to sort of sort through sometimes. But this is one of those perfect plays where you had Romeo Dobbs run a fantastic route to the back corner of the end zone and Innis Gaines covered it well. Like he had very good coverage on the play. And then Jordan Love threw him a fantastic ball. There's probably a chance for Innis Gaines to maybe go make a play on the ball, but Romeo Dobbs just went high pointed it, came down with the ball and it was a, a beautiful touchdown play. So tip your cap to Love, tip your cap to Dobbs, tip your cap a little bit to Innis Gaines for having the good coverage, even though he did ultimately get beat on the play. Those are very good practice plays and very fun. So that was one of the plays of the day and a very nice pass from Jordan Love. One of the other notes was that I thought Jordan Love displayed a phenomenal hard count throughout the day. And he mentioned in his, um, you know, in the locker room availability after practice that this is a concerted effort on their part to not only prepare the offense for the hard count, but also get the defense prepared for opposing teams' hard counts as well. This is the type of thing that it can get you. So on a specific play, uh, Jordan Love goes with a hard count and gets Keyshawn Nixon to show that he's blitzing. Keyshawn Nixon backs up and it's like, haha, just kidding, not really gonna blitz. So he goes hard count again, which the defense wasn't expecting. This time he show, you know, gets Keyshawn to sort of tip his hat or tip his hand again. And also this time gets Quay Walker to show that he is rotating back to the backside of the play to go help cover on that end. So you're gonna have a, a little bit of a vulnerability and you can sort of adjust your protection. So Jordan Love recognizes all this, does a great job getting the hard count twice, getting the defense to tip their hand, and I would have loved to see the ball just come out quick and him beat the, you know, beat the blitz from, you know, sort of being able to see exactly what was happening pre-snap. But the defense did a good job on the play too. They immediately cover it up. But because he knew the play, he was able to avoid the pressure. He was able to get right and then buy a little bit of time. Luke Musgrave comes, you know, sort of screaming across the, the front of the end zone and Dobbs puts it in front of him. Unfortunately, it hits Musgrave. It looked like it hit him in the hands and it ultimately ends up in a drop on the play and falls harmlessly incomplete from the defensive side of things, but that's exactly what you can get from using the hard count is the defense identifying or you, you know, you really being able to identify the defense because they tip what they're going to be able to do on the play. Jordan Love was able to buy some extra time because he knew that blitz was coming off from the left side. So he's able to buy some time, right? Get Luke Musgrave to get open in the end zone. Should have been a touchdown play. Unfortunately, it was a drop, but you could tell that he has been working on the hard count. And this is something that he had in college. This is something that he has shown pre Previously, it's the same cadence that Aaron Rodgers used. So, you know, we're very familiar with that cadence as Packer fans because it has been a, you know, piece by piece sort of hand me down from Favre to Rodgers and now to Jordan Love. 
but overall, you could really tell that that's something that he's been working on even more. And I love just his overall command and control and what he was displaying from the hard count. Now, he did get the defense to tip their hand on the play. Unfortunately, he also got his offensive lineman to false start on a couple different plays. And that's exactly why you're working on this stuff in practice. But that's also uh, just goes to show you how effective the hard count was. Did unfortunately get a couple of his offensive linemen to jump on a couple different occasions. Now, late in practice, I was not there for this part. I had to, not had to, I got to, was excited to, and loved to attend my son's 4K graduation. So that was super fun. So I had to leave practice about 15 minutes early. But uh, there was a play late in practice, according to those who were there, where in a two-minute drill, Jordan Love threw late and deep and in the middle of the field into double coverage, ball fluttered, Tavarius Moore picked off the pass. Now, if you remember from, I think it was the first OTA, if memory serves, where Jordan Love had a similar play and he floated it up. Actually, it was the second OTA, floated it up and Darnell Savage you know, made the play in center field, intercepted the ball. And you were sort of hoping that Jordan was maybe going to learn from that and maybe not have the same mistake happen again. Unfortunately, in this open session to the media, the same thing happened in this scenario, threw a pass late over the middle, ultimately gets intercepted this time, not by Darnell Savage, but by Tavarius Moore. And you get the same result, a turnover on the play. So this is something that needs to get cleaned up from Jordan. There have been a few too many turnover-worthy plays on the first three OTAs open to the media. Is it something that you can give a little bit of accident forgiveness to at this point? Yes, no question about it. And we have no idea what he's looked like at the other OTAs. It's possible that he's been an assassin. It's possible that he hasn't thrown any turnovers or interceptions or things like that. But those are the things that you want him to learn. Should also be noted that in a two-minute drill situation, you know, you're willing to take a little bit more risk in some of those situations. Still, a ball that flutters high over the middle, late into coverage, not one that you want to take a chance on. And that uh, was ultimately picked up off by Tavarius Moore. So those are the plays that he's going to have to continue to learn from, improve from, and sort of cut those out of his arsenal a little bit more. Uh, we did get huge word from, uh, huge word maybe is a little bit of an exaggeration, but Matt LaFleur in his post-practice press conference said, over the course of this past week, I've been encouraged, quote, I've been encouraged. He really talked about the process of playing quarterback, including Jordan Love's rhythm and timing at the position. And this was the big quote said, he's really making or making some really significant strides. So that was pretty telling from Matt LaFleur that he really has been watching Jordan Love with a close, you know, obviously he's always going to be watching with a close eye, but, and he really made the observation that he's making really significant strides. And listen, Matt LaFleur, is one to sort of deflect blame and always talk positive about his players and try not to give negatives to the media and sort of keep that stuff in house. However, he doesn't just throw away compliments like that either. So if he's saying that Jordan Love is making some really significant strides, I can promise you Jordan Love is making some really significant strides. And that is huge to hear from Matt LaFleur. Three OTAs in, to the Jordan Love is the new number one quarterback era of the Green Bay Packers. I would say my judgment of it and my gauge of it is this is exactly, almost exactly what I expected. I think I was expecting him to take a step as far as command and control of the offense. I have seen that. I wanted to see the mechanics get better. I have seen that. I wanted to see him, you know, start working with the cadence more in the hard count. I have seen that. I wanted to see him start building a rapport with some of his receivers. I have seen that. I also knew there were going to be hiccups along the way and some bumps in the road. We have seen that. Some of the interceptions, some of the incompletions, some of the turnover-worthy plays. We have seen some of that as well. 
There have been some highs. There have been some lows. There's been some things that make you open your eyes and say, okay, there's something to really build off here. There's other things where you know, you're saying like, all right, it needs to start learning from some of these mistakes and clean some of this up. It's only three OTAs. Doesn't mean a whole lot of anything. Doesn't matter if he looks like Dan Marino or Rick Meyer or anything in between. There's just going to still be a learning curve for Jordan Love. And we're going to get a much better gauge of that come training camp and preseason. But for now, I would say almost exactly what I expected. If you had, if you, you know, put a gun to my head and said, hey, is it better or worse than you expected? I would say it is slightly better, slightly more encouraging at this point than I expected it to be. Not by much, but I've just really liked what he has shown from a mechanic standpoint, just sort of his play action fakes. Like he just looks like a more well-rounded quarterback than he did in you know any of the previous three seasons. So slightly more encouraged, mostly exactly what I expected, still has work to do to clean up some of those turnover-worthy plays. But Speaking of the play of the day in Jordan Love and making that play to Romeo Dobbs, if I go back prior to today's practice, the player that's been living rent-free in my head, there have been two players that have been living rent-free in my head leading up to this third OTA practice. That was Luke Musgrave and Romeo Dobbs. Luke Musgrave, I've talked about before, just the the you know the smoothness, the speed, the agility, the body control, the hands, the speed, everything like that. That's been living rent free in my head. The other one is just what I've felt like has been a, a I'll say significant improvement from Romeo Dobbs, but we're not going to know until the pads come on if we're being real until we start seeing it in games. And quite frankly, until we start seeing it against the likes of Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, Eric Stokes, and some of those players, he's been going against a lot of the second in even third string corners. So we need to see more, but there's been an improvement on Romeo Dobbs and you can tell, you can see the difference. You can tell that he has been working on his craft and you can tell that there just seems to be a little something extra with Romeo that wasn't there a season ago. So prior to practice, that's the player that I've been spending a lot of time thinking of, of what he could potentially be in this year too. Then we go into practice and he makes that big catch. You're seeing that rapport being built with Jordan Love, had a couple other catches on the day. Like you just start seeing a different Romeo Dobbs than what we saw from a season ago. You can tell the confidence is there. You can tell he's been working on his releases. You can tell he's been working on his route running. The ball he plucked out of the air in the back of the end zone. I don't remember seeing something quite like that out of Romeo from a season ago. So the fact that he is continuing to grow and I would say is the leader in the clubhouse right now for the second year jump guys. It's been really positive to see. And he's done now the Mike McCarthy stacking success. It's been three straight practices now where he has shown a better version of himself than what we saw from a season ago. And he was a good receiver a season ago when he was healthy. So that is a very exciting aspect of the OTAs. And I'm really excited to see if he can continue that into mini camps next week and then training camp after that. Uh, the touchdown catch, obviously another great play that he added to his um, you know, repertoire of great plays so far, this OTAs. These were the quotes from Matt LaFleur uh, after practice about Romeo Dobbs, quote, violent routes, violent cuts, being aggressive with his hands. That's what he's seen out of Romeo Dobbs so far. So if we're talking Matt LaFleur again, giving out praise. If you hear about his wide receiver, that he's talking about violent routes and violent cuts, that should be music to your ears. That is a fantastic sign for Romeo Dobbs that he is really making strides as a route runner and what he's doing just to you know gain that level of separation that he needs in order to be successful in his second year and to take that second year jump and be a better NFL wide receiver. 
And then here was the other quote, quote, he's done unbelievable things throughout the course of these OTAs, whether it's with the route running or the catches. So Jordan Love, Romeo Dobbs, both high praise from Matt LaFleur after practice, uh, after again, the third open session uh, for OTAs to the media. So I would easily say at this point, I'll say it one more time, that in my opinion, Romeo Dobbs is the clear leader in the clubhouse for that quote unquote second year jump so far. All right, let's get to some more fun stuff. We're going to go a little bit more rapid fire through a lot of the rest of this, but I am maybe most excited to talk about this. And that was two back-to-back plays by Carrington Valentine. Now, we just talked about Romeo Dobbs and what he displayed and how much better he has looked in year two. Well, Carrington Valentine got two plays one-on-one with Romeo Dobbs. And the first one was in red zone and it's a slant coming across the middle. Now, this was an interesting one. Because so the the first play happens and I believe it was Love at quarterback, but Love throws, goes to Dobbs. It looked like it was maybe a little bit behind Romeo on the play. It looks like it still hits Romeo in the hands and it looked like it could have been caught, ends up being incomplete. But here's what I will say. Here's what caught my eye in the play. It wasn't necessarily the, the coverage. It wasn't necessarily the incomplete pass, the ball or anything like that. I'm watching Carrington Valentine on the play and I'm, I'm watching like, oh, we get a we get a Carrington Valentine play here against the ones in coverage. I was excited about it. So I'm watching him and he closed to the football in a flash. Like his clicking close on the play was incredible to watch. And like, could have maybe he have been a little bit tighter on the coverage, you know, to maybe make that a little bit more contested right, right away, maybe. Do I know that I'm going to give him credit for like batting away the ball or being like anything like that? Because not necessarily, because I thought that ball could have been caught, but his ability to close on it really caught my eye on that play. And that stood out to me. And then the very next play is I'm typing that tweet and being like, oh, that was a really interesting close on the ball by Carrington Valentine, et cetera, et cetera. The very next play, Romeo Dobbs versus Carrington Valentine, Jordan Love at quarterback. They're trying to run a little out route to the outside. Carrington Valentine is all over it. And I mean all over it. He not not only is all over it, he makes a play on the ball, breaks up the pass, and gets completely, you know, dabbed up by all of his teammates and everything. Like it was a it was a really great coverage play. And again, we have talked about how great Romeo has looked in these OTAs. How about a seventh round rookie coming in and saying, yeah, that's great. I don't care. I'm going to go close to him on one play and a slant. And the next play, I'm going to break up and out route. Those were two back-to-back plays that really, really caught my eye from Carrington Valentine. Matt LaFleur, after practice on Valentine, said, quote, he's done an unbelievable job, can really see the body movement skills he possesses, and he's been working very hard. So great quote there from Matt LaFleur as well. That's a very interesting player to me. That was another one of those where I was like, can't believe he went in the seventh round. I think Green Bay may have found a steal. Now, Matt LaFleur did also add that he's worked through some things and had some, you know, a couple plays that he's needed to learn from here and there as well. So listen, a lot of these guys, specifically the rookies are are going through it right now. And you're going to see some flashes. You're going to see some mistakes, but those were two big time flashes and made me very excited about the future for Carrington Valentine. I'm not talking about you know, what he's going to be in season or what he can be as a pro long-term, but just, I want to see more of that. I want to see if he can carry that over into mini camps and training camps and preseason, et cetera. I've mentioned before, if Stokes isn't ready for the season, you've got your top three in Jair, Douglas, and Nixon. If somebody goes down, there's a really good chance that that next player up 
is, you know, could be a Carrington Valentine, could be be a Corey Ballantyne, could be a Shamar John Charles, could be a Keandre Thomas. We shall see, but Valentine should have his name in the discussion just based on some of the plays that he's already been making in OTAs as a seventh round rookie. And then we get to another seventh round rookie, Anthony Johnson Jr. Now this one was against the second team offense and um, Danny Etling was in at quarterback on the play and Etling was trying to get a ball over the middle of the field and Johnson came screaming down from safety, made a play on the ball, knocked it away, and then had, you know, he knocked it up in the air and one of the other defenders almost had the interception on the play. Watching a number 36 and I am, trust me, I am not comparing him to Nick Collins verbatim here, but watching a 36 fly up from that safety position, get in front of the player and bat away a ball just gave me some of those vibes for a second there. And again, not comparing Anthony Johnson Jr., rookie seventh round pick to Nick Collins, but uh, it was just great to see the rookie make a very aggressive play on the ball coming from that deep, deep safety position. I've told you in the past, and I'll say it again, I have some significant hopes for Anthony Johnson as a seventh round pick. That was the first flash play that we've seen from him in those three open OTAs, and hopefully it is a harbinger of more things to come from the rookie safety. Speaking of these rookies, the rookies just keep showing up. Sean Clifford, again, this was unfortunately a little bit after I had left practice, but Sean Clifford got the two-minute drill after Jordan Love threw the interception. He goes 11 plays, completes a fourth down play to Jeff Cotton, an eight-yard touchdown on fourth and three at the end to cap it off with a touchdown, had a 24-yard completion to Malik Keith on the play, who also continues to make plays at OTAs. And talk about Sean Clifford, uh, just, you know, starting to really buy into, not buy in, but like start to understand the offense a little bit more. He's leading two minute drives. I've been, you know, fairly impressed by Sean Clifford so far. Now, you know, Bill Huber in his, uh, in, in the, post-practice press conference said something to the effect to Matt LaFleur of, hey, you know, this, you know, he's maybe not the most talented quarterback, but he's looked pretty good so far, something to that extent. And, you know, Matt gave him a little bit of a hard time for, you know, doing the scouting report and things like that. But uh, Bill's not necessarily wrong. You know, it's not like Sean's the most, you know, physically gifted quarterback in the world, but he's got some interesting traits. The ball comes out of his hand pretty darn well. And he's starting to show that he's already picking up a little bit of this Matt LaFleur offense. That two-minute drill, if he, you know, if we can start seeing more of that, that's going to be a very positive sign. I would say it's been a win through three OTAs and rookie minicamps so far that have been open to the media for Sean Clifford. I, I would say he's very much the leader in the clubhouse right now to get that second quarterback job. We'll see if Danny Etling can make a game out of it. But right now, pretty impressed by Sean Clifford and what he's been able to accomplish so far in very limited time. Speaking of that Jeff Cotton eight-yard touchdown, I didn't get to see that one, but he had another touchdown in team drills. That was that was a, a eye-popping play. Apparently, the one that he made at the end of practice was a little bit of toe drag swag, and you know some of the the media weren't exactly sure how he got his feet down, but he somehow did. Prior to that, as I'm just watching him, this is the first one that had been open uh, that, that that opened to the media that he was he was active for because he had been injured up until this point. Number 82 comes scrolling out on some of the individual routes. He was the last one in the line with all the wide receivers. And immediately on one of the first individual routes, I'm like, who, who's that number 82 again? Like he, he caught my eye immediately. He's got good speed. He's got, you know, he plucked the ball out of the air a little bit. Like he caught my eye prior to the team stuff. And then he gets a touchdown in team drills. Then he gets a touchdown in the two minute team drills. Like I was very impressed 
with Jeff Cotton. That was the first time I saw him. I posted a video on Twitter. He had a preseason game against the Cowboys where he made three very impressive plays. He used to play for the Jaguars, spent some time with the Cardinals. I think there was one other team in there as well. He just kind of bounced around a little bit. He was a 2020 undrafted free agent. So unfortunately for Cotton, it's not like he's this 22-year-old undrafted rookie or something. This is, again, a, a player who was an undrafted free agent back in 2020. So he's been around the block just a little bit, but there's a little bit of something there to Jeff Cotton and just something that's going to make me keep an eye a little bit more on him. Probably more of a practice squad guy uh, at, at best, but he caught my eye on this OTAs. And like I said, somebody I'm going to have to keep a little bit of a closer eye on. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Lucas Van Ness had another nice day. He forced a hold on Caleb Jones on one play, had a really nice run stop against Royce Newman. And I know what you're thinking. All right, he beat Royce Newman. Great. Everyone beats Royce Newman. I understand your cynicism. However, what I was excited about on that play is he was initially lined up on the edge and then they blitz somebody off the edge and he immediately kicks inside. And that ability for him to play down line, hand in the dirt, go against interior offensive linemen and make a play in the running game. That's what I was so excited about because we know he's going to have some sort of, 
you know, factor, you know, be a factor on the edge and hopefully develop into a high-end caliber player on the edge. But we really also want to see him be able to not only play on the interior, but especially hold up against the run on the interior. That was the first sign of it. And that gives me a lot of hope moving forward because if he can hold up on the interior against the run, now we are cooking because he's going to be a force player on the edge who has great size, great speed, great agility, great power, and he's going to bring all that together to hopefully be a really good pass rusher. He has all the strength and size to be a edge setter on the outside, and we think he's going to be able to pass rush on the inside as well. He showed it at Iowa. The question is, can he be a run defender from the inside? That's the only thing to me that's a really big question at this point. And if he can answer that bell and do that as well, like then you're talking about a player that has so much versatility up front for Green Bay and could get himself on the field maybe even more than we're expecting sooner rather than later. Speaking of good run defense, Kingsley and Igbari had two back-to-back plays where he helped stuff the the you know off the the running game either at or behind the line of scrimmage. That was really encouraging for me because Enigbare, who showed some real pass rush flash a season ago in like little stints here or there, really struggled against the run. So the fact that not only did he hold up at the point of attack against the run in practice, but he was also making some plays in, you know, at or near the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage and making some run stops, that's a very promising sign for Enigbare. Hopefully he put on some functional strength in the offseason, can be better against the run. That was the first good sign of it in the third open OTA. The starting offensive line on the day was David Bakhtiari at left tackle, Elton Jenkins at left guard, Josh Myers at center, John Runyon Jr. at right guard, and Yash Nyman at right tackle. They did like sort of this three line drill. So they basically like would practice like they're sort of like individual, but they practiced as a unit. um, And they basically lined up in their three lines. So the first one again was Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, and Yash Nyman. The second offensive line in that group was Caleb Jones at left tackle, Sean Ryan at left guard, Zach Tom at center. Royce Newman at right guard and Luke Tenuta at right tackle. And then the third one was uh, Rashid Walker, Gene DeLance, Scaife, Falagia, and then Telford at right tackle. So those were the three lines, one, two, and three. A couple other notes on the offensive line. David Bakhtiari actually did some team drills. The first time we have seen him do team drills, and that is a fantastic sign that he's not just doing individual work, that he's getting some teamwork in as well. As I mentioned, Zach Tom got some work at center number two. This is the first, not the first, but a little bit more significant time that he has spent at center two so far in OTAs. Uh, We had mostly seen him at right guard and right tackle. So great to see him get some snaps at center. Royce Newman also got some snaps with the starters at left guard. Um, There was a really bad hold on one play by Sean Ryan on Chris Slayton, which would have wiped out one of those Jeff Cotton touchdowns. So it's been still a little bit of a struggle for Sean Ryan. David Bakhtiari, meanwhile, uh, botched a snap from Josh Myers. Yes, you heard that correctly. He was messing around, practiced, uh, you know, taking a snap from center under Josh Myers. It fell to the ground. And that's something that those two are clearly going to want to work on because we know the touchdown pass to David Bakhtiari doesn't work. At least it didn't last year. So you know what? Cut out the quarterback from the play. Just put Bakhtiari under center. Let him do whatever he wants. And he can be that new wildcat quarterback for Green Bay. But he's got to work on that snap from Josh Myers first. Uh, Caleb Jones and Rasheed Walker also got got, uh, opportunity to practice with the ones. They rotated in at left tackle when Bakhtiari spent some time not doing team drills. And you could tell they just, you know, were being cautious with them only doing a handful of team drills. So when that happened, Caleb Jones and Rashid Walker were rotating in at left tackle. 
I mentioned earlier that Luke Musgrave had all of the hype coming out of OTA number two. In this one, there was a another route that he ran. I posted it on Twitter. I posted him and Tucker Craft, you know, running the same route, and Craft ran it well. And then Musgrave, you know, Musgrave runs it, and you're just like, you know, there's just so much raw natural talent there. It is absolutely insane how just beautiful he looks running some of those routes. But OTA number three was a little bit of a comeback to life for Luke Musgrave. As I mentioned earlier, he had that drop from Jordan Love uh, that should have probably been a touchdown. He also bobbled a screen pass on the tight end screen. And more importantly, he had a couple really tough run blocks that just kind of got blasted into the backfield. As I mentioned, the more he can do as a run blocker, the better opportunity he has to get on the field more. You don't just want him developing into a big wide receiver. You want him to be a true tight end, a true inline tight end. That's going to give him so much more versatility and flexibility and get some of those matchups in Green Bay's favor. He's going to have to develop as a run blocker. It was a little bit of a tough day for him. So drop, bobble, a couple of really tough run blocks. Those are the things that Luke Musgrave are going to have to, you know, is going to have to continue to clean up as he makes that uh, transition from college to the NFL at tight end. It was great to see Tucker Craft back and him playing tight end again. As mentioned, uh, posted a clip on Twitter of him making a, uh, you know, catch and just, you know, kind of, you know, working through a route. Uh, but overall, he had a couple, at least one catch, if not two, during the team periods. Still like what I see out of Tucker Craft so far. Interesting, uh, I guess sort of interesting, Josiah DeGuara was with um, Pearson in the fullback drills. So he was not doing the tight end drills with the tight ends. He was working with, you know, the one other fullback on the roster and doing some of the fullback drills. It's not super surprising. I'm sure they want him to continue to be that versatile H-back fullback tight end. Uh, But just interesting to see him actually working to the side in fullback drills and not working in the tight end drills. Thought AJ Dillon had a nice game. He had like three out of five plays where he ran off a left tackle and like really looked good. Had you know two of them went for bigger gains, and he does look a little bit more spry this offseason. So I know he's working on being a little bit more elusive and trying to generate some of those bigger plays. So hopefully that is another sign of things to come. Another player that I just think I need to see more of is Tyler Goodson. He had a run where he just burst up the field. The acceleration is so evident, made a little juke in the hole. He practices hard every single day he's at practice. I just keep wanting to see more Tyler Goodson. He catches the ball well out of the backfield. Like everything he does, he does with speed and pace. And he practices, like I said, so hard. Like I just, I just want to see more Tyler Goodson. If it, if it were me today and that number three running back job we were up for grabs, I, I'm keeping Tyler Goodson every day. And I know special teams is going to play a huge factor there, but I think he can be. You know, I, I think there's just a lot of untapped potential and talent there that I just want to see that get peeled back a little bit more. Matt Lafleur was asked about him after practice. Said that he can be used in a variety of different ways. Said he's an explosive player and that he's really matured over the course of this past year. Meanwhile, seventh round rookie Lou Nichols dropped a couple passes in individual drills, also had a bobble in team drills. So it was not his forte coming out of college, was his pass catching. That's something that he is going to clearly have to continue to work on. Starting offense in team drills was Jordan Love, Aaron Jones. Offensive line was Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, and Yash Nyman. The two wide receivers were Dobbs and Watson, and the two tight ends were Luke Musgrave and Josiah DeGuara. So again, Love, Jones, Bach, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Yash Nyman. Dobbs, Watson, Musgrave, and Aguara. Starting defense on the edge was Luke Van Ness, uh, Lucas Van Ness, and Preston Smith. 
The defensive line was TJ Slayton and Kenny Clark. Linebackers were Quay Walker and Devondre Campbell. Corners were Corey Ballantyne and Shamar John Charles on the outside with Keyshawn Nixon in the slot, and then Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage at safety. Meanwhile, Matt LaFleur was asked about which four, or he actually was just asked which rookies have stood out to him in the OTA sessions that haven't been open to the media since there have been five other practices that were not open to the media. He was asked which were the ones that stood out to him so far. And his answer were Corey Wooden, uh, or Colby Wooden, excuse me, um, Brooks, Carl Brooks, Lucas Van Ness, and Brenton Cox. So again, Colby Wooden, uh, Carl Brooks, Lucas Van Ness, and Brenton Cox were the four that he specifically named that have stood out to him making that transition from rookie minicamp to OTAs. Now, Lucas Van Ness, a little bit of a given. Interesting that you know both Brooks and you know Wooden on the inside would be players that he would point out. But the big takeaway here is Brenton Cox getting into that conversation. So the fact that he's asked about the rookies, and it's not like Green Bay had like four or five rookies, right? They had a plethora of draft picks. Some of them have been injured, including Dontavian Wicks and Grant Dubose, but a plethora of draft picks. So for him to get asked about it and bring up Brenton Cox by name is a pretty impressive note. And you know, certainly is going to be in that mix for one of those, you know, last roster spots on the edge position, you know, competing with guys like Ladin. Darius Hamilton and Jonathan Garvin and Justin Hollins, et cetera. But that's a huge call out for Brenton Cox. That is an undrafted guy. He's already made an impression on Matt LaFleur. So great to see there. Uh, Tavarius Moore, as mentioned at the onset, had the interception of Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur also mentioned that he had punched out a couple balls in some of the other OTAs, forcing some fumbles. So he's got some of that playmaking gene to him, which Green Bay desperately needs in the secondary. And he has done some rotating with the ones as well. So he definitely seems to be competing with Rudy Ford right now for that safety spot opposite Darnell Savage. TJ Slayton and Devontae Wyatt had, you know, both, I thought, really good days. I thought the defensive line got penetration on the offensive line on multiple different occasions. Uh, Both of them blew up plays in the backfield. And I just, I don't know how Devontae Wyatt doesn't end up turning out pretty darn good in some capacity. And hopefully even better than that. But the guy is talented as all heck. And he's constantly hustling. Like he had a play in the backfield and it kind of like, you know, the the running back continues down the field. He sprints down the field after the running back. Like the effort is clearly there. He clearly wants to be a very good player. So with all that talent, I just don't see how he doesn't turn out in some capacity. There's just too much there. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon blitzing off the the slot was something that we saw on multiple occasions. And I want to see more of it. He just has such an intensity and a drive and a passion. And it's just so fun to watch him play. And he's a he's going to be a fun blitzer off the slot. So excited to see more of that, particularly in games against other quarterbacks. But um, very excited for Keyshawn in the slot. There has seemed to be a little bit more of a focus on communication on the defensive side of the ball, which is great to see. Uh, Jerry Montgomery is a joy to watch coach. He did a great job just coaching up some of his defensive linemen on some of the communication techniques up front, making sure they understand their assignments. Uh, But you can definitely tell that communication has been a area of emphasis for this defense, which is something that has been sorely needed. And last but not least, kick returners on the day that were fielding kicks, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Keyshawn Nixon, Aaron Jones, and Tyler Goodson. Some of you might be thinking, why are you putting guys like Jones, Dobbs, and Watson back there? Some of the times that's just emergency stuff. Jones has done this a ton in the past in practice and never returned to kicking game. So I wouldn't read too much into it. I think Jaden Reed, Tyler Goodson, Keyshawn Nixon, clearly Nixon's going to be the guy, but those are probably your first best bets. Um, maybe a Romeo Dobbs can get in the conversation, but you know we've also known that 
you know, Rich Passaccia, Matt LaFleur have wanted to make a little bit more of a concerted effort to get some of their veterans and their, you know, their studs involved in special teams a little bit more just to try to get some of the buy-in. Having guys like Watson and, and Jones on the kick return team, probably just a way to do that and just see like, oh, if Watson and Jones are participating in special teams drills, then that, you know, that means something that means that this isn't just like, oh, we have to go through the motions. It just means a little bit more, right? So I would lean a little bit more towards that being the case there. So 35 minutes of practice observations, ton of really fun stuff. Like I said, nothing earth shattering, nothing crazy new, just a fun, uh, a ton of fun new tidbits that, like I said, I was really excited to go over. So really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I'll be back right here tomorrow with an all new show. So don't make sure, or don't miss that. Make sure to subscribe if you have not already. Don't miss the episode, please. Uh, also, I'll be back next week, obviously covering mini camps as well. So again, you're going to want to make sure you're subscribed to everything Pack-A-Day podcast. I'll see you guys tomorrow, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.